in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's me. Wow. Ah, oh, man, there's a hell of a lot going on. The world is in flux. I am so incredibly optimistic, even though things are very, very dark right now. I don't know. I just feel like we are on the precipice of something great, something miraculous. It can happen like that. God can do anything and everything. And I know it seems so crazy. You know, they're on the verge of indicting Donald Trump again, this time in Georgia, which is the weakest, silliest, dopiest case I have ever seen. I mean, the evidence, the exculpatory evidence is all in that phone call. I just need 8,275 votes, which is one more than we need. You're allowed to do that when you're um, running for election. You're allowed to call election officials and bitch and moan about the vote. Well, that was encouraging. He was, what was he doing? He was undermining faith in elections. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. What is it? What is your, they're, they're treating election officials with more reverence than most people treat Jesus Christ. It's incredible. They want the government to be more important than genuine faith. These are, these are machines. These are processes. These are of people, men, women. There's nothing divine about it, all right? And they are subject to flaws, corruption, and we're allowed to talk about it, especially the President of the United States. You know, if if this guy goes down, and we're going to have to tiptoe around forever about what we say, you can't call somebody and complain and bitch and moan and yell and scream. He wasn't even yelling and screaming. You're allowed to do this stuff. Wow. Wow. In meantime, uh, Mr. Empathy himself, Joe Biden, <laughs> remember how he told us empathy was on the ballot. Joe, Jill Biden told everybody that empathy was on the ballot. And the media told us, too. He'll be the empathizer in chief because Joe Biden knows what it is to lose somebody. You know, everybody knows what it is to lose somebody. OK, he makes it sound like he's the only guy who ever had anything bad happen to him. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows loss. But no, Joe makes it all about him. So, uh, you know what's happening there in, in, um, in, uh, what is it, Maui? I always thought Maui was the big island. Um, no, it's, that's, uh, that's Hawaii. Hawaii is the big island. Oahu is the main island in a weird way, right? Oahu is where Honolulu is. Maui is very, very nice. And, uh, it's been eviscerated by that mysterious fire. Oh, you know, I noticed initially, like, nobody talked about how the hell the thing started. Usually they can trace it to some kids with matches, you know, some fire, uh, some uh, some campers, but they uh, not a word about how this dumb thing started. Horrible thing. Um, what do we have? A hundred people killed so far. So Joe Biden is st- <laughs> still on vacation. He uh, he came back to the White House for about twenty minutes, changed his bathing suit, and went back to the beach. I <laughs> just uh, uh, what does Joe Biden have to say about all this stuff? Let's check it out. Huh? Mr. President! Can't hear him over the waves. <laughs> People are seeing him right on the beach. Nobody can get a question in. 
You know, this is the kind of thing that you're supposed to be good at, especially when you're Mr. Empathizer. You know, in this time, our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with the people of uh, of Hawaii. I have uh, spoken to the governor. I have uh, uh, informed the Federal Bureau of Emergency Response that they'll have everything they need. And uh, we'll have more to say. I've declared a federal disaster area. You know, we're not hearing any of this stuff from the guy who's supposed to be incredibly good at doing that stuff. Right? That was his whole thing. Actually, you know what they asked him? They asked him about this. What do you say about the, the rising death count? He said no comment and then flashed a thousand-watt smile. That smile has gotten him out of a lot of jams, I guess, in the past. You know, just smile a big smile and everybody forgets. Everybody moves on. That doesn't cut it anymore, although maybe it does because, let's face it, nobody remembers anything. Everybody moves on so fast, one silly crisis after the next. And some of these crises are are not silly. They're really important, but uh, everybody just kind of... Moves along, and what's happening to our president, my God, President Trump, that is, that more Republicans aren't standing up and going crazy right now. You know, they should have a moment of silence at that first debate. Everybody should turn their back on the moderator. I don't know. Something dramatic has got to happen. A show of support for Donald Trump. Um, because this is... This is a genuine threat to our democracy. Unlike the horns guy and his friends, this stuff going after him. Who's that guy in Russia? Navalny. You know, they threw him in jail. They threw him in jail and he's going to be in jail. They say for 40 years because he's an opponent of Putin. Joe Biden said out loud to his aides, associates that he's frustrated with Merrick Garland and he wants Merrick Garland to prosecute this guy. And well, Lo and behold, there's Merrick Garland prosecuting this guy and finding that crazy Jack Smith. All right, I don't know what else to say about the elevation of uh, of uh, Weiss, David Weiss, from U.S. Attorney to Special Prosecutor, Special Counsel, other than it's more evidence of total corruption. I mean, those IRS agents came forward. They spoke to Congress. They said, this guy's lying. This guy's talking out of both sides of his mouth. This is the guy who should be removed from the investigation, this is the guy who engineered that sweetheart deal that the judge was like, excuse me, are you guys serious? This doesn't work. What's going on here? you got to get David Weiss out of there. Uh, David Weiss, career prosecutor, forget that crap about him being uh, Trump appointed. He's not. It's a game they're playing. It's um, it's not, They're not to be believed. Do not believe them. Let's see here. Did you see the horrible looting over the weekend? Here we go. This is... Um, you're going to hear a bunch of guys going into Nordstrom, and they're taking everything in sight. Cut 29. <laughs> Kicking over counters. Taking everything off the hangers. Sometimes they're just taking the counters. About 30 guys dressed all in black. A good chunk of them... Uh, with their pants hanging down real low below the underwear. Hey, why not? It's um, it's unenforceable now, right? It's legal. It's legal. I mean, we didn't pass a law about that, but we kind of, uh, I don't know, shamed everybody into thinking somehow that um, do not get in their way. Do not get in their way. This is a this is a component of racial justice, right? Racial and social justice. This is to atone for 
of slavery or whatever the hell. I mean, give me a just society is coming apart. And, you know, this is really hurting the poor and the uh, lower to middle class. Now, who runs stores? Who works in stores? Who works in these retail outlets? They're about to go away. We're going to be getting everything from Amazon. They're already going away. Who works in there? Do rich people stand on their feet all day long at the cash register? No. Generally speaking, lower income people do. They're losing those jobs. It's a matter of time. It's just, it's going to evaporate. It's going to evaporate retail. They will not be able to sustain this, uh, for very much longer. Hey, this is something. Malik Obama is Barack Obama's half brother and he's making the rounds. He's out there. You know about Malik? Um, well, uh, Barack Obama Sr. is his father and also Barack Obama's father. He was quite the character. He was a government official from Kenya, and he gallivanted all over the world, you know, doing a little schooling here in Hawaii, a little bit here in California, a little bit here in Stockholm, never staying too long and uh, hanging out and, well, got a woman pregnant and um, got the hell out of town. Uh, he just uh, got... Um, Mrs. Obama, what was her name anyway? Uh, Rundell. And um, I can't remember. She's from Kansas. And she was at the University of Hawaii and uh, met this guy. They fell in love or fell in lust or something and had a kid. And the guy gets the hell out of there. Um, and he goes back to Kenya where he's got 11 more kids and he keeps having them, including Malik Obama. Now, I've actually talked to Malik myself. He's a bit of a... Um, <laughs> Uh, he's a bit of an operator. Um, if you want to talk to him, he wants money. <laughs> he makes it very clear. You got to donate to my foundation, the Barack H. Obama Senior Foundation. And I wasn't willing to uh, make the donation. I just wanted to uh, do an interview. So he said, make the donation first. I can't remember what it was. It was like a thousand dollars. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't work that way. And um, but some people actually do pay. I don't know if uh, Joel Gilbert paid, but Joel Gilbert is a very talented filmmaker. And he's gone deep on the Obamas. And here he is talking to uh, Malik Obama. This is part of a very long conversation. Malik spends a lot of time. In 1982, Barack Obama comes over to Kenya. There's a beautiful family reunion. Before that, Malik came here. And Barack Obama was like his bosom buddy. You know, oh, my brother, literally my brother. We have the same father. And they were friends. And they they were just very, very close. And Barack writes a book about all this stuff, Dreams from My Father. And he goes to those various conventions. You know, my my dad was a goat herder. My dad was this. My dad came from Kenya. My story is so unlikely. My name is so funny. Right? And Malik Obama was very useful during this phase of his life. And then he becomes president, and he doesn't want to see Malik Obama anymore. Go ahead. What are the general living conditions in Kenya for you and your extended family? Extreme hardship, poverty, and, uh, you know, in Africa, you know how it is, and people are really hard up. Infrastructure is poor, you know, there's no electricity. Has he helped you or the, the rest of the relatives over the years that he used in his book and his political career? No. No. Has Barack no. done anything for your village? No. No. Has he contributed to the foundation for your father? No, no, nothing. So has Barack, do you think, treated you with respect as an older brother? 
since he was elected president? No. Doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. And how did that make you feel? You know, hurt, crushed, and just, uh, yeah, it's just hard to really uh, imagine. I don't understand how somebody who claims to be a relative or a brother can behave the way that he's behaving, be so cold and ruthless, and uh, just turn his back on, uh, on the people he said were his family. Wow. And that story, you know, the story of Barack Obama and Kenya and his dad and that silly book he wrote that stunk, but we all had to pretend we liked it because it was Barack Obama. That's what got him elected president. Remember, he gets to the U.S. Senate in 2005 and he starts running for the presidency in 2007 and he's elected in 2008. What the hell did we get? This 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 fantasy, this silly fantasy, and people trying to show. You see how woke I am. You see how enlightened I am. I'm voting for this guy, and the con worked. Poor Malik Obama, and it raises questions about all over again. Sorry, but uh, Obama's religion. Now it would be perfectly fine for a Muslim person to be elected president. Absolutely, um, there is nothing in the Constitution that says you have to be one faith or the other. But if he lied about it and there's substantial evidence that he did and has, that's a big, big problem. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So uh, what we saw over the weekend, that shoplifting spree, that's not shoplifting, that's uh, income distribution i don't know it's just this is this is okay and it's also okay to take a chair and hit somebody over the head with it as long as the person who's getting hit over the head happens to be white and the person doing the hitting over the head with the chair a deadly weapon in my opinion uh as long as that person's black this is uh well this is kind of a beautiful thing literally a beautiful thing I don't know if you are as online as I am looking around Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, but the chair has now become a civil rights icon. The chair, the chair, the, the, the a folding chair to be exact, a folding chair, which was used to strike two people in the head, but they were white people. And it was during that Montgomery brawl. And uh, that's okay. And the man wielding the chair, you know, initially, if you did hear anything about that chair, it was because uh, they try to cover it up because it looks, oh, my God, it, everyone's in shock when they see it. Bam, right over the head. How can that be a good thing? In no sane world is that a good thing. And the woman who was struck was not the guy, was not the, she wasn't picking on the boat captain, okay? It wasn't, she was trying to break up fights. The first guy may or may not have been involved. I kind of, you know, all I can tell, he's a white person not wearing a shirt. Were all the white guys not wearing shirts involved in the fight? I don't know. He may have been. I don't think the sentence for that on the spot is death. Do you? You can you can easily have your skull fractured, easily break your neck if you get hit over the head with a chair. And now this is a like this is a sanctioned way to respond. The way the the, the chair has been basically uh, sanctified and, and, and the man with the chair, the, the chair wielding man, his name is Reggie Ray, 42 years old. He turned himself into Montgomery police and was charged with disorderly conduct. Now talk about letting somebody off easy. And they already did let him off easy. 
because right after that um, man hit the woman with the chair, guess who was standing right there? The cops. And they did what cops are supposed to do. They arrested the guy. <laughs> they, 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 they grabbed him, and then he started to resisting. They threw him on the ground, and they put handcuffs in him. Those cops were great. And if everything's got to be about race, uh, I'll point this out. The two cops happened to be black. And they did a fantastic job. But then a supervisor, I guess, showed up and said, let this guy go. I don't see how you, because all weekend long, they're like, police have asked, police have requested the chair-wielding man to call police. They have questions for him. You know, he was, uh, he wasn't even a person of interest. He wasn't a suspect, wasn't even a person of interest. Disorderly conduct. You'll never go to jail. You know what that is? That's a, um, I mean, that's like a moving violation, right? That's a traffic ticket. Speaking of which, I got pulled over on the Marine Parkway Bridge two years ago. And, uh, I, I, I know I'm not guilty. So I kept pleading not guilty and the COVID started and this thing keeps getting pushed off and pushed off and pushed off. It's actually a great thing because, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to go into court. I just don't want, you know, I, I just love it. Cause, you know, let's face it. I'm, I'm innocent, but I could lose. I, I could lose. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm left to look at the evidence that they have that I was speeding over the Marine Parkway bridge. Was I, was I going 35 and a 25? I don't think so. 45 and a 35? I don't know. I, I have some records. I have some notes. I have some video evidence. I will review them. I have not reviewed them in two years. I will review them as I'm getting ready for trial. I don't want any of these comments used against me. Again, I was pulled over and, um, you know, people ask, do you ever say, uh, you ever say, Hey, do you know who I am? Well, you know how that can e- so easily blow up in your face? <laughs> Just nobody cares who you are. I mean, nobody cares. All right. They'll write you a ticket like that. Sometimes they may notice a, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm like, Oh, I, I, I'm, you're that guy from the good day New York show. Oh yeah. 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 No, no, come on. All right. No problem. See you later. Uh, that's known as a courtesy, but anything beyond that doesn't fly. Anyway, I'll see you in court someday. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, am I the first one to find out about NBA Youngboy? You know NBA Youngboy? Huh, I'm a little bit ahead of you guys, too. So NBA Youngboy is a pretty prominent rapper. He's 24 years old. He's got, uh, I think, nine kids or ten kids. That was the headline yesterday. He's had another kid. but um, And I know that's uh, that's a lot for I th- He's married, but uh, those are with various women. And he's got the jewels and the rocks and the necklace and all this stuff. He's a, he's a, he's a rap guy. I would just say, uh, take it easy, man. Take it easy. And uh, that's... Uh, that's a lot. NBA stands for Never Broke Again. NBA, not NBA. He's not a basketball player. NBA young boy. And, um, you know, it's easy for me. I could look at that and like, you know, this, that, and the other thing and make judgments. And uh, uh, I'm not, not going to do that. I mean, if, <laughs> Dale Carnegie said, if you were born into somebody else's shoes and everything that happened to that person happened to you, you'd be that person. It's kind of interesting when you think about it. NBA young boy's father when he was like three, was sentenced to 55 years in jail. How about that, huh? 55 years. Now, this guy's had various brushes with the law. I just hope he survives, and I hope he lives up to the NBA part of uh, the young boy. NBA never broke again. You know, some of these guys, uh, all that money at such an early age, they blow it. At least, at least he's kind of making a priority about keeping the money. Right now, NBA young boy is a hell of a lot more popular than... (laughs) 
Uh, Ron DeSantis, did you see him in the, uh, the big fair in Iowa? Hey, that fair is stupid, by the way. I mean, what a dumb thing to do. And the, the political press corps, you've been encouraging this nonsense for years, you know, walking around, grading everybody on how they get along with, uh, the person selling the corn, corn dogs. I don't like corn dogs. Oh, by the way, does anybody ever say, I don't want to eat a corn dog. I don't like a hot dog is good by itself. What's this corn? I don't like cornbread. I don't like a corn muffin. I like a regular muffin, blueberry muffin. Nobody ever says that. They go through it, you know, except for Trump. You know, Trump, he, he didn't put a cowboy hat on. You know what he did the first time he showed up? He t- gave the kids rides on his helicopter. He showed up with his helicopter. Just like uh, Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack, very much like Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack. You want to understand Trump, watch that movie. All right, so here's Ron DeSantis showing up. Uh, cut 25, please. This is as he's walking out of a big building there, a little building, a, like a barn. Cut 25. Everywhere he goes. All right, so that's it. That's not making Ron feel too good. And then uh, in another part of the fair, uh, it's the same thing. Cut 26. Well, that seems a little nicer. People are chanting USA. All right, now is the time for the big interview with the governor of... um, Iowa. What's her name? Uh, I'll get back to you on that. But uh, look, I don't like the name Karen. I really, you know, I've gone on and on and on defending the Karens. Uh, I, you know, that's a beautiful name. And uh, but there is something a little Karenish <laughs> about the governor here. Ready? Cut twenty-seven. Ladies and gentlemen of the Iowa State Fair, let's welcome Governor Kim Reynolds and Governor Ron DeSantis. They're hanging in there with us. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being here as we have the opportunity. Well, first of all, welcome back to the State Fair. Ron, we want it's great to have you here, so welcome back. No, it's great to be here. We're really excited to see everybody. We appreciate uh how nice everybody is. Um, great to be in the Midwest. I tell people, normally when I want to do Midwestern nice, I just go to go to Fort Myers in January, and I have half the Midwest there. Uh, but we love everybody that comes down to Florida, but particularly Southwest Florida from Iowa and other parts. Thank you. Thank well, listen, you. Good friend, former colleague, governor uh, from Florida. And uh, so I appreciate that and appreciate the competition. So Ron's uh, out there uh, doing the 99-county tour. Uh, I think you may be ahead of me. Hold on. Hey, you know what? Oh, wait. Turn it, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Got in the right at the wrong time. <laughs> Go back 10 seconds. This is where she has she can't ignore all the we want Trump stuff. And uh, then she gets in there and tries to, like a fourth-grade teacher, Tries to make everybody shut up. Can we do it again? Go. Listen, good friend, former colleague, governor uh, from Florida. And uh, so I appreciate that and appreciate the friendly competition. So Ron's uh, out there uh, doing the 99-county tour. Uh, I think you may be ahead of me. Hey, you know what? You know what? We're in Iowa. And in Iowa, we're Iowa nice. So let's give everybody the opportunity to hear our candidates. So we'll stop. We'll stop until you do. But we're all going to have an opportunity to hear from each and every candidate. That's what we've been doing. So, okay. Hey, you know what? 
You know what? We're in Iowa. And in Iowa, we're Iowa nice. What the hell is Iowa so nice? Give everybody the opportunity I, to hear I would like to submit articles of impeachment for that governor right now for being annoying. So we'll stop. Yeah. Stop. Don't talk to them like they're fourth graders, all right? It's political. You know what you do, actually, if you ever want to really shut the crowd up, if you're, if you, if you're given the microphone, say, at a wedding or something like that, and they're not chanting against you, they're just talking too loud, this is what you do. You go, uh, Instead of trying, uh, quiet, everybody, listen, listen to me, please listen. You go like this, and it really, it usually gets just about any crowd to stop. And um, that would have been better than, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to be Iowa nice, damn it, be Iowa nice. Iowa nice sounds so lame, doesn't it? Um, no, gosh, that was good. That was good. The other thing, uh, this weekend and these Republicans, I know that the, <laughs> I hear that, I know this is all working out for Trump. The money is coming in, uh, although he's got to spend a lot of it on lawyers. Uh, it's solidifying the base. It's, you know, other people are kind of rallying, but the party doesn't seem to be. And all those candidates out there who are going along with this, like Chris Christie and, and Mike Pence, what, what, what President Trump asked me to do that day was, so thoroughly un-American. Lighten up, Francis. I mean, uh, it was it was fine. It was fine what he was asking you to do. People disagree about the Constitution all the time. I saw him on Meet the Press, and um, he was terrible. And the one thing is, he's got a big ream of talking points, and no matter what the question is, he doesn't answer it. I mean, we can we can hear out loud the question, and we can see you running away. That that might work with a newspaper reporter. It doesn't work when you're in doing a live television interview. So they ask him at one point, "Hey, are you a MAGA Republican?" I think that's the question. Let's go with that, please. No. All right, MAGA Republican. Are you a MAGA Republican? Are you a MAGA Republican? Rich should know where it is. Uh, you guys cut that already. You get a phone. And he talked for about two minutes, hemming and hawing and saying what he was and what he wasn't. And uh, all right, now we can do it. Do you consider yourself a MAGA Republican? Uh, I'm incredibly proud of what we did in the Trump-Pence administration for four years. And uh, you better believe it. In those four years, uh, after after eight years of the slowest recovery since the Great Depression, eight years of an, under Barack Obama and Joe Biden that saw military cuts that hollowed out our military, eight years of liberals on our courts, uh, under the Trump-Pence administration, with the support of MAGA Americans, we 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 literally did make America great again. You feel again like you're a MAGA Republican that, or not? That pandemic struck, and look, I, look, I, I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. I've always said that. Yeah. People who know me know those are my values, the, those are my ideals, and uh, I really believe that uh, I, the agenda that I've always been about, right. that I'm looking forward to making, I, taking to that debate stage. Is the agenda that will bring this country all the way back. And believe it or not, I do want to try to ask you that? one he question. Can't about he can't say he's MAGA. He can't say he's MAGA. What's wrong with make, make America Great Again? Can't talk about. <laughs> wow. What a what a what a ridiculous phony, huh? You can't stand up from. I am a. What did they say he was? What's what's the order? I'm a I'm a I'm a father. I'm a I'm a I'm a Christian. I'm a, uh, I'm a Republican. I, you know, hey, make America great again. We love it. You're going to run away from that now? It's not going to work. What is Mike Pence running for? Nobody seems to know. It's not going to work out well for this guy. It's just uh, he's going to probably come in second place to Vivek Ramaswamy. Second place, 15th place. 
Vivek Ramaswamy is the, um, well, what is this guy? He's some sort of tech entrepreneur, healthcare entrepreneur. He made like a billion dollars. He's 37 years old and he's very smart. He's very pro Trump. He's outraged about these indictments and he's pretty cool. Here he is doing the Eminem rap to, um, what was this song? Lose Yourself came out in 2002, cut 21. Very good. That's very, very good, Vivek. Uh, I like that guy. Who knew? I mean, in 2002, he was like 17 years old. So that's pretty cool. Um, good for him. It sets him apart a little bit. And, uh, I mean, it's not exactly flying your private jet over the crowd. Hey, did you see Curtis was in uh, Creedmoor this weekend uh, talking about the illegal aliens and the migrants and... Uh, where I heard it was really good. Where's my Where's my Creedmoor stuff with? Um, hmm. Okay, here we go. Angry Angry crowd in Queens. Cut fifteen. One term mayor, no tenth city. I love it. I love it. What's next? Cut sixteen. Mr. Mayor, what about Rikers Island? There are abandoned buildings there. They could house 20,000, but not at Creedmoor, not in our neighborhood. We're going to destroy our neighborhoods. We're going to destroy the property values. We're going to, there's going to be crime. There's going to be drug taking. We don't know what's going to Looks like Eric is a little bit overwhelmed. What happens next? This, you know, Creedmoor, the big um, psychiatric facility right on the border of Nassau and Queens. Um, and it's very almost bucolic out there. It's very quiet. This is no place for the migrants. That guy had a great idea. Put him on Rikers. Or better yet, use some real creativity and make it so they can't come here to begin with. You can find a way. You can totally find a way. You can use the state police. You can bust these guys. You can bust them for, uh, you know, you pull over the truck. Pull over the truck like in Tennessee and then find a violation somehow. Every tr- every vehicle in the world has some sort of violation and pull them, pull them over and make everybody get off the bus. Um, and, and let a judge figure it out later. Um, cut 17. But over a year, I've been calling for residents like you. I've been saying over and over again, this is going to come to your communities. We need to be united together to stop this. I've been saying that for over a year. This should not be coming to Bell Road. Well, tell Biden to stop it. Tell your president My president. Oh, gosh. Now he's getting to the rhetoric thing about the, oh, my president's your president, too. He has no clout with that administration because he's been too cute, too cute by half, as Ed Koch would say. Give him hell. Cut 18. What I need you to do as one of your constituents is send them back. Yes. Send, send them, them back, back to Washington, D.C. Send them back to Mexico. Have yeah. some guts. Stand with your people. Wave your people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what does Eric have to say to all this? Cut 19. 
You have the right to decide who you want to vote on as a, as a mayor. That's how you show your power. If you feel I'm not doing the job I've been doing for the last year and 18 months with this mess that I inherited, this mess that I inherited, then you have the right to do what you want. Yeah, no, this actually definitely exacerbated by him. Initially, he loved the attention. And he loved, oh, we'll welcome him to, we'll welcome them to New York. Remember that? He did that. He wanted that. Boasting about sanctuary city nonsense. Um, and you know what? It's not that easy to vote him out given the crazy system we have here. You know, primary day on the last day of school in June, just so anti-Democrat. Let's see one more. Cut 20. If I do that, would I be breaking the law? Will you be breaking it? There's no sanctuary city law on the books. No, here's my question. If I were a, a local city does not have the authority to deport me, if I were to get what you said, I would be breaking the law. I could be sanctioned by the federal government that would take away dollars from the city. So if we're going to come no, up with a solution, a let's come up with one that doesn't break the law to help us fix this problem. Now he's all concerned about the law. What about enforcing the law? What about what about prosecuting people who shoplift? Hmm? What about prosecuting them? You know, Rudy Giuliani came in and and, and talked about and other administrations prosecuting uh, people on the street. You know, you got to like be creative here and not just sit there like you're the Brooklyn Borough President, which is an absentee job. It's amazing that you guys get even get paychecks and just sit around complaining. Now you have actually have real power right now, but you don't have a clue. You don't know how to use it. It's what a wasted opportunity. Folks, we got to get serious. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, nationally, kids are missing a lot of school. New figure here, 25% of all students 18 and younger, 25% have missed 10% of the school year. They missed 10% of the school year. Uh, that's a lot. Now, you can add it up. What are there, like 180 days? So that's 18 days. may not seem like a lot, but when they study this and they study millions and millions and millions of uh, kids, that has a real impact on learning. And that brings averages lower, test scores lower. And guess what? Our adversaries, they don't screw around with this stuff. They excel. Russia, China, you think they got 25% of the kids missing 10% of school? No. <laughs> uh, no way. Wow. What's being lost? So much is being lost. You know, all of our best and brightest minds, they used to, they used to dream of joining the space program. Now what do they dream of? Becoming an influencer on TikTok <laughs> and all that goofy stuff that goes with it. Um, oh, you can't get into an elite school or any school, really, if you're uh, taking that much time off from high school. But I do want to talk about elite schools for a moment. Um, who remembers the New York Times when we actually relied on it, right? The New York Times, it was like a staple. It was a great newspaper. It was an explainer. It was it was just so well done, and we kind of took it for granted, and it was impartial, and it was not partisan. It may have been a little bit to the left on the editorial page, but you couldn't tell from the rest of the newspaper. They had the silliest story yesterday. It goes on and on and on about the new deputy commissioner for counterterrorism at the NYPD, whose name is uh, Rebecca Weiner, and I'm sure she's a very nice lady. She went to Harvard, um, and that's great, and uh, really kind of schooled in this stuff, and her family 
was involved in intelligence work and academia, and it's a it's a nice profile. It's one of those wet kiss profiles. I think what they do is they write a nice story so that that person who works at the NYPD will give the police reporter scoops from time to time. Anyway, this is not the time to be writing beautiful pieces about the police department. This is the time to be turning up the pressure, turning up uh, the temperature a little bit on the police department, on Eric Adams. Enough of these uh these silly pieces, I mean, that, uh, you know, what Eric does with his day off, what Eric, how Eric recreates, you know, ooh, the new police commissioner is the first Hispanic. Nobody cares anymore. We want results. And oh, by the way, uh, they have the uh, previous police commissioner, the longest serving police commissioner, the legendary Ray Kelly, to thank that they have people like Rebecca Weiner working there. And she joined the department in 2006. And the Times makes it sound like she responded to a help wanted ad or something like that, or just like, you know, was walking down the street and said, hmm, maybe I'll get a job at uh, hmm, the police department. She's a 28-year-old lawyer from Harvard. That was not a natural kind of connection between her and the police department. Ray Kelly made a specific and concerted effort to recruit Various smart people slash brainiacs from institutions like Harvard Law School. Hey, come to New York. Protect this city. We have to do it. The federal government has failed us. Do you want to be part of a team that is actively defending the greatest city in the world? Join us. And uh, she did. Good for her. There are lots of incentives. There was a private foundation established that would actually even provide grants and things like that because... You know, the NYPD is great and all, but it doesn't pay what uh, a law firm might pay somebody like Rebecca Weiner. So (laughs) all these systems were in place and uh, attracted that person. And then the New York Times, like, pretends that all of history started with Mayor de Blasio, right? A a woke progressive that they like. They skip over her entire, the, the first part of her career, eight years under the previous administration. And they, who, who, whose opinion do they get on this woman? Bratton and John Miller. I mean, <laughs> Bratton, you know, just, all right, I don't you guys know how I feel about that guy. Total con artist, right? He just kind of shows up for 20 minutes, badmouths the cops, and all the reporters are like, oh, wow, he's speaking so, so forthrightly about the cops. No, what he's doing is just badmouthing everything that came before him, and then he turns and cashes in. Scam that I've seen uh, in play for a long time, and a lot of naive reporters fall for it every single time. Anyway, New York Times, uh, it was nice knowing you. You used to be a great newspaper. Bye-bye. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. You know, um, electric cars and your cell phones uh, need something, needs these batteries. And you know what the key ingredient is? One of them is um, cobalt, C-O-B-O-L-T. And most cobalt, or a good chunk of it, comes from Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And um, uh, children are the chief miners over there. Children, child labor. It's unbelievable what these kids go through. I'm looking at a nine-year-old kid digging for cobalt in the rain and then dragging around a big bag of it. And geez, and it's not like he's hustling for himself. No, he works for a major corporation. He works for a big conglomerate over there. And you know what he gets for his troubles? $2 a day, $2 a day. So, uh, 
ultra rich people can, uh, I guess myself included. I don't know what the hell's in this phone. Apple, Apple, Cobalt. Well, I mean, I guess we, uh, there's got to be something that can be done. These kids are in a terrible situation. And it's going to look, at least I don't have that much cobalt in my phone, but you got a lot of cobalt in those electric cars and they're just not ready yet. They're just not ready yet. I saw one plugged in over the weekend and I started talking to the guy and, you know, I might be able to go to Washington DC all the way to Washington DC. Then he's going to have to charge it for another six hours or four hours or something like that. Um, we're just, we're just not there yet. Hey, you know, America is supposed to be a democracy. In many ways, it is not. Uh, you know what they have done successfully? They've demonized the word political. Anything political is somehow bad. Why is that? What does polit- political politics is basically activities of or related to um, the formation of the state and the governance of the state. And in this country, governance of the state comes from the people. Right? Democracy, people, representative government, the people have a very large role here. But it has been now set up and established that the people are an afterthought. The people, the people, oh my goodness gracious, you would make it all political. We can't have any people. We have to have professional tech, what do you call them? Uh, Technocrats. Technocrats, technocrats. We have to have these bureaucrats, technocrats, these experts who are really, really good and unaccountable to anybody except each other, and they never really hold each other to account. Here is the former top lawyer at the FBI talking about how uh, apolitical the Justice Department is and the FBI is. He thinks that's good. When you hear these numbers, I don't think it's good at all. You talk about the deep state. That's what this guy is explaining right here. Cut 31. The design of the Department of Justice, Chuck, the design mm-hmm. is that it be um, staffed by career people, that the political layer is extraordinarily thin. The FBI has almost 40,000 men and women. Right. One is a political appointee. Every U.S. attorney's office in the country has at most, at most, right. one political appointee. Oh, isn't that great? One political appointee. One person answerable to the people. So we elect the president, right? And the president chooses the attorney general, and then together they're supposed to choose the U.S. attorneys. And what can one person do with an office full of 50 people who have been there for decades? You know what they can do? Not much. You know what they can do? Kiss ass. That's what Chris Christie did every step of the way. He he couldn't lead that office. He didn't have the expertise. He was intimidated by them, so all he would do is defend them at every turn. And like, right, these guys must be right. They're career prosecutors after all. Career, 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 career. Um, I don't like that. It's not in the Constitution. The Department of Justice actually is not in the Constitution, but somehow that has become so sacred. Just like our elections, elections, like election officials, somehow they're special. Somehow they're better than us. Brad Raffensperger and Gabe Sterling. When's the last, Gabe, Gabe Sterling is like the third guy, the third guy in charge of the Georgia Secretary of State office. And he was on the Sunday shows uh, this weekend talking about the sanctity of our elections. Now, elections are important. But if somebody screws with those elections and cheats, well, we're allowed to complain about that. They're saying you can't because our elections, it's just, 
Forget the election. You must have confidence in the elections. Well, what if they're wrong? No, you must have confidence. And Donald Trump has undermined the confidence in our in our elections and our institutions. Well, what if the institutions and elections don't actually rate that kind of confidence anymore? I mean, how can you have an election without voter ID? We're one of the few countries in the world, few advanced countries in the world, where you can have an election without voter ID. Try voting in Germany. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a process because they don't want anybody walking in off the street doing all kinds of crazy stuff, especially now with people from out of the country, uh, here illegally. You know, should they vote? <laughs> here in New York City, there was not too long ago of, they actually passed a law saying that they could vote. Non-citizens could vote. Now, it was turned down by the state Supreme Court, which is great. Now, so he, I want to go back to this. This is uh, over the weekend. Here's Joe Biden actually saying out loud, it's hard to hear, but they're asking him about the apocalypse in Hawaii. You've seen it. I've seen it. You know, this is kind of what we would call a layup for a president, you know, come out with some appropriate words. Joe Biden can't even do that. Listen carefully. Cut 28. Big smile. You can barely hear, but he says no comment with that big, stupid smile on his face. Now, has he said anything about this thing? Did he say anything last week? He had to have said something about it. They asked about the escalating death toll. I don't think so. He's back on vacation. What day is it? It's Monday. (laughs) He was on the beach. He was on the beach in Delaware. Uh, I get sick of the beach after about two hours at most. I'm like, okay, now what do we do? Just to go there for day after day after day at the beach? Um, that's not for me. It's for some people. I prefer the pool. Why? Well, the pool is usually near the house and you can go back inside and I don't know. I'm not, um, and all that crazy stuff that you step on. No, I don't, I don't like it. Ron DeSantis is in real trouble. You know you're in trouble if you're running for a president and you have to wear a shirt that says DeSantis. And he's, he, he kind of looks like he works at a gas station. Nothing wrong with working at a gas station, but you know how they often put their names on the uniform? I guess they used to in the old days. They don't really do it anymore. But he has all this stuff on his shirt. Kind of looks like not really a gas station. More like a race car driver. Yeah, a little bit more like a like an off-duty race car driver. He's got his name on one side and a commercial for some, you know, uh, sandwich shop on the other side. And uh, let's see here. He wants to be something. He doesn't want to just, how do they put it? This is a new, some new messaging from him. He doesn't want to just run for president. He wants to get things done. Isn't that, isn't that great? Um, what's he going to do after this? Why was it DeSantis? Here, here we go. Cut 22, please. Cut 22. I'm not running to be somebody. I'm running to do things on behalf of the country and for the American people. It's not about me. I'm the vessel. I'm the leader. But it's really about doing right by the folks. And if you look at our military now, we have the lowest recruiting that we've had since the draft ended after the Vietnam War. And why is that? Well, part of the reason is because the military is indulging in social experimentation, woke ideology, politicization, you have talk about drag queens and pronouns and all this stuff. China is laughing at us when they see this. Uh, th- this is not the way you do. So we're going to get rid of all of that on day one as commander-in-chief, and we're going to restore the military mission first, mission first. 
Well, I agree with all that. Um, I just don't think he has sufficient stature to actually get it done. The deep state's going to take one look at this guy and blow him off. I, I just don't think he has the, uh, the force of personality, the charisma. I, I just, you know, and you need some of that stuff. Might be superficial. It might be light, but, uh, no, you need it. And I don't think he has it. Why do they settle on him? I mean, there are a lot of governors in America. Well, he did such a great job on COVID. Well, uh, really? I, I, <laughs> Maybe he was pushing that vaccine pretty big. Remember when that veteran, the 100-year-old veteran, they had him take the vaccine? Uh, they did close the beaches there for a while in Florida. I know he did some good things. Look, everybody, you know, life is always a little bit complicated, more complicated than the bumper sticker might suggest. Uh, but why him? Why did the deep state, why did the big donors coalesce, not so much the deep state, but the big donors, this guy? Part of it is, part of it, they did not want somebody like... uh Trump, who was too independent, they needed somebody like this, who, you know, when he's in the room with billionaires, it's very clear who's the boss. And it's not Ron. <laughs> it's not Ron. Hey, the uh, they flew a banner over the state fair while he was there. The Trump team, I guess, was behind this. It said, be likable, Ron. Be likable. Remember to be likable. Why do they say that? Because there was a... a clip of a debate prep session that he was in and they, they said now governor when you go out there i want you to do something i want you to take a piece of paper out of your pocket and write this down be likable you got to remember to be likable it's the kind of thing you can't really you know you, you either are or you aren't i mean there are some things you can do but by the time you're running for president you are who you are right the, the growth hopefully you've done all the growing now you're ready to show the world what you got and I am hearing from very good sources that Ron knows that he's not that likable. He knows that he's not a very good campaigner, and he's working on it. I mean, you picked a hell of a time to work on it. You work on it your entire life, and then you're ready for the big moment. Sorry, this ain't going to work out. Cheech in Florida, hello. How you doing today, Greg? Are you really Cheech in Florida? Why? Do I sound like a liar? You sound a little bit uh, familiar to me somehow. And you sound a little bit, uh, I don't know, you're giving me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. only, only uh, you know, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. but Yes, I am. Uh, thank you very much, Cheech. All right, so uh, what can I do for you? Where in Florida are you, first Seriously. Of all? Okay. Ser- no, seriously, first, where in Florida are you? I decline to disclose where. All right, Cheech, you are no, you are not credible. You are not credible. You can't let me know where you are within. (laughs) No, it doesn't work that way, Cheech. Thanks anyway. Ernest in Rockland. Ernest, how are you? Good, good afternoon, Greg. I just want to say thank you, sir. Your thank you for your service. You just said something earlier, and it absolutely lit me on fire. In a good way or a bad way? Excellent way, because really, you should do a whole show on what you just said. It was It's the understatement of a century, what you just said. And your producer? All right, what, what happened? Just tell us. Take us out of the suspense. What happened? Okay, you said about the people, you were running your news clips, and you said you have the power. People have the power, but they don't have a clue. Guess what? This country is a country of law, and the people's power is knowing, taking the law into your own hands and reading it. Did I really say that? Is that a direct quote? I don't think I said that. 
you said those words, sir. You said you have the power, but you don't. You people don't have a clue. I didn't say you people don't have a clue. I know I did not say that. Sure. That sounds very. That sounds very condescending. And uh, somehow, I mean, I don't know. I think. I mean, we do have the power. The power is with us, not the state, the Constitution, the deep state. I mean. They don't talk about the deep state. It's not in there. It's a very simple document that we can all can read and understand. But I like that I said something that you liked, or uh, I don't know, but I, I just don't think I said it quite that way. Anyway, uh, tell me, uh, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is this, sir. There's 56 titles of law, and if people just look into that, like Title Four, Section 4 is the Pledge of Allegiance. I just want to point out and correct you on one thing you just said. See, I think this was all the, this was the mo, this was it all along, right? You wanted to butter me up and now you're going to correct me, but that's okay. What did I say wrong? No, you didn't say anything wrong, but this is not a democracy under Title Four, Section 4. Well, I know it's a constitutional republic and the people don't directly, yeah, I get all that stuff. Shorthand, you know, democracy, it's democratic, democratic ideals, it's very much, but we're a constitutional republic and it's not majority rule. And I know we have the constitution and there are certain things the majority cannot vote into effect. And that's a good thing because we have to be, you know, there's such a thing as madness of crowds. And, uh, yeah, no, I get all that. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. You're absolutely accurate. And just to just to point out, the flag stands for a republic. The flag doesn't stand for Democrats or a democracy because we have a representative, a democratic representative voting system. That's the only way you can use the word democracy or democratic is our voting system, which means we the people vote in those who we say can govern us. That's the only democratic we got. Yeah, no, that's interesting. You're right. You know, so that when they throw around the word democracy by itself, democracy, almost like they want us to forget all the other stuff. You know, it's like it's mis mis messaging on purpose. Anyway, Ernest, I appreciate it. Thank you. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ah, who remembers Charles Barron? Charles Barron, councilman from somewhere in Brooklyn, I think. Uh, never liked this guy. Although in person he could be rather affable. You know, he's, he was a very jovial racist and he still is. <laughs> I remember, I think it was in, it was 20 years ago. He was at a big rally in Washington, D.C. and he just said, I just want to find the nearest white person I can and slap him. And everybody went crazy. Like, oh, is that, I just want to slap the nearest white person I can find right across the face, Charles Barron. And uh, he's still singing literally the same tune. He's wearing the same uh, Maoist suit, this gray thing that buttons at the top, no tie. And um, he's still very much a, uh, a racist. And um, all those white people, all those silly white people running away from his district. Well, maybe because you're the <laughs> you're the guy. Wait, what is he again? What is he an assemblyman now? He couldn't be a councilman anymore. That was a long time ago. So he got his way, career politician. The next stop is the state assembly. And listen to the listen to what he says. Go ahead. I have the distinct honor to be able to come before you and say I actually lost white population in my community. <laughs> I lost them. They left. They left. I didn't ask them why. They left. So if you see one or two or three or four or five whites in my neighborhood, they're passing through. <laughs> so, but that's on a serious note. We got 13 
thousand black elected officials in this country. We've yeah. had mayors, we've had governors, right, we have city enough. council members. I think his no- I think his number is wrong. Oh, by the way, I think that's a wrong number. I think there are like twenty thousand elected officials. Period in all of the country, if that. Uh, I, I think he's he's wrong. But Charles Barron, how about that? Let's see. Um, that's that's quite a statement, and it's it's met with chuckles. You could say, oh, in all seriousness, he wasn't kidding. Well, 20 years ago, he was talking about slapping the nearest white person he could find. And uh, it's overt racism against white people is now encouraged. It's laughed at. It's considered stylish and cool and fun. Uh, all racism is horrific. Judging anybody but what, by what's on the outside instead of what's on the inside is so anti-American. It's so far from what we should be, but it's happening. It's taking over media, corporate America. They've signed up for this stuff out of fear. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So a lot of chatter out there about Barack Obama and those uh, letters to his then-girlfriend about the stuff that he thought about. And uh, what does that mean? Um, I don't know what it means. I don't know. I think, well, one, I'm not going to get into what he said. You've probably seen it. It's um, you know little sexual thoughts he had in his head. And we know this is legitimate. Uh, this is a letter that I guess was kept at the Emory University archives, uh, thanks a lot, right? Uh, his ex-girlfriend turned over all the letters to uh, Emory University so you can look them up in the library. And they were they were pretty hot and heavy for a while. She's some Australian woman, and uh, I guess they were both in New York in the early 1980s. And, you know, they were uh, hooking up and whatnot, and uh, all right. And then uh, he confides to her that he has certain uh, sexual fantasies that uh, may or may not be embarrassing, depend upon who you are. I'm not going to get into them because, uh, well, people have all kinds of private thoughts. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think you expect a little bit of privacy no matter who you are. If you're writing a letter to some person, you know, he wasn't a office holder at the time. People have all kinds of uh, crazy thoughts sometimes, you know, and uh, this is something that was on his mind of a sexual nature. Uh, and so I don't really, you know, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't know where to go with that other than this. Now, I think why we're learning about it now uh, is because they want to get out the bad news now and just a, a little bit of a cleanup job because I don't know when, I don't know what day, what hour, but it will come where Michelle Obama will be the chosen Democrat nominee and everybody on that side will fall in line. And that will put, obviously, Michelle back in the spotlight, Obama in a big way back in the spotlight. Now, the media will totally comply. And at that point, when that letter becomes, um, uh, there's a tension on that letter again, well, it's old news. It's old news. And arguably, in my opinion, it's it's not really news. The fact that he had a sexual ideation uh, all right, I'll just say it. In his mind, he's the president of the United States, so everything is interesting, right? I mean, he put it in a letter. If it was George Washington, we'd report that, wouldn't we? Uh, in his mind, he was fantasizing about men all the time. 
And to which I say, like, that's kind of uh, neither here nor there. All right. It's neither here nor there. That's what he uh if that's what gets his motor running, whatever. I don't you know, I I mean really, so what? Um it's it's we're right? Right? Am I you know, I mean are we supposed to be freaked out about this? I think quite frankly, they want us to be freaked out about this. The left. They want you see those you know, those, those horrible people, those horrible MAGA people, they don't you know, No. All right. I mean um, again, I don't think that this uh I don't think that it should have been in the newspaper. I think the historian, you know, whatever. I think the lady who gave these letters, his ex-girlfriend, bit of a snake in the grass, don't you think? Everybody's got private stuff out there, you know, messages uh, now more than ever. Who writes letters? Who the hell? When's the last time you wrote a letter? Dear, dear honey. Nobody does that anymore. It's all texts. Maybe an email. An email is like special. An email is like formal. Everyone's like lobbing texts and dms and all that stuff so i uh no judgment on that thing however i think it's a clue that obama uh michelle is going to run because joe can't do it i mean joe his and nobody can talk to him obviously obviously in the aftermath of what's happening in hawaii the president comes out there and says something but they can't talk to joe he's unmanageable he's yelling he's screaming he thinks he's the smartest one in the room when it's the opposite and you know, look look at how we talked during the campaign. Here he is. Hey, do you have anything to say about all the dead people in Hawaii? No comment. And here he is during the campaign talking about George Floyd. You know, as as if Mother Teresa had ju- just died. Reminder: uh, George Floyd. I wish he had not died under those circumstances. I wish he were still alive. But he was a career criminal. Uh he did assault a woman with a knife and demand drugs from her during a home invasion. Otherwise, he would cut into her uh, uterus. She was pregnant at the time. He did star in the occasional porno movie, but that's also neither here nor there. But it is interesting. Here's here's Joe Biden in 2020 on St. George Floyd. To George's family and friends, Jill and I know the deep hole in your heart's when you bury a piece of your soul deep in this earth. We know, we know you will never feel the same again. I've watched with awe as you summon the absolute courage to channel God's grace. You're so brave. Why does justice not roll like a river or righteousness like a mighty stream? Why? 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 Everything there is a time and a purpose and a season under the heavens. May God be with you, George Floyd, and your family. And the words of a hymn from my church based on the 91st Psalm, may he raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, and make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. All right. Now, um, all due sympathy to everybody involved. But I think the Floyd family had some idea that George was living a life that might unfortunately be interrupted, that he might die young. Uh, the stuff that he was into, that he was doing from the drugs, fentanyl, oh, by the way, committing crimes, you know, I mean, were they that shocked? Were they? I don't know. I mean, I really wish he was still alive, but I just wonder if it was... 
You know, I mean, you got a career criminal nephew, son, whatever, brother, uh, father, even. I mean, you know, it's just like there are some things that shock and some things that don't. And I don't think it would have shocked. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to ask them, but I think it's hard to get through to them now. They're on some, I think they live in, I think they may live in uh, the Cayman Islands. <laughs> they are set for life. They are set for multiple generations. They got like 50 or $60 million from the city of Minnesota. Um, and maybe they deserve that. You know, the city of Minnesota, I don't know why in the hell it said that they could put the knee on the neck in the patrol handbook of the Minneapolis Police Department. It authorized putting the knee on the neck to um, constrain somebody. Um, that seems really weird. I also know this. The cops actually took mercy on on George Floyd when he was having that panic attack in the back of the police car. They brought him out, put him on the ground because he, he, he was begging them, put me on the ground, put me on the ground, put me on the ground. You can look it up, but you're not supposed to go there. You know, you see, you notice that there are very specific rules that we blow off all the time. Chris, hello. Afternoon, Greg. How are you? Fine, fine. I'm trying to, all right, I got you off speakerphone. So if, uh, if Governor DeSantis was rapping at the Iowa State Fair, he would have sang the song, She's Just 16 Years Old, Leave Her Alone by Benny Margonis. And if Trump had been rapping, he would have rapped the song, Now You're Messing With a Son of a Bitch by Nazareth. I don't know any of those songs. How old are you? I can't help you. I don't know. I don't know. Am I too young or too old? I mean, I don't. I don't know those songs. Anyway, Chris, thank you. Uh, um, uh, let's try. Did Vito give us a hard time the last time? I think he did. We'll skip him for now. Carmine in Melville. Hello. Hey, Greg. You know, you talk about writing letters, and I wanted to remind you uh, back in April when you uh, interviewed President Trump down in Mar-a-Lago. I took the time and I wrote a beautiful letter and I mailed it to Newsweek magazine and I really wanted to shock you and shock myself and to see if that letter would be uh, uh, in, in, in the uh, letters to the editor. And I ran in April, May, June, July. I ran, I ran every month and they didn't choose to print it. But someday I'll read it to you. It, I it said you did your homework. You know what you uh, well, about. I appreciate that. But you know what? I don't think they print those letters to the editor. You can't even buy magazine. You can't even buy Newsweek magazine. You can only get it online. And I don't think they have a letters to the editor section. No, no, Newsmax. Newsmax magazine. Oh, Newsmax. Yes, forgive me. Did I say Newsweek? Yeah. I meant to say Newsmax. I'm sorry. All right. So you're telling me that months ago you wrote a letter to Newsmax and it didn't get published. That's right. All right. Well, nice try. I'm sure it happens. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, nice it does I'm happen sure a lot. That's the way that, I, what, do you want me to look into it? I can't. No, no, of course not. They could only print so many. I just yeah. thought it would be a nice surprise. You just talked a about nice surprise, A nice surprise. A nice surprise. Well, hey, thank you, pal. Thank, thanks so much. Uh, Carmine, uh, hang, uh, thank you. Um, hey, James Flippin just walked in. Uh, hi. Hey, ever, write, ever write a letter to the editor? You know, I actually have not written a letter to the editor. Nobody does that anymore. Very few people do. And actually, when you do, you generally get it in, especially the New York Post. Right. Uh, so what's up? Not too much. You know, there's a lot of stuff uh, that we're looking at here on the local side. Of course, the national story continues to be all that's going on in Hawaii right now. Uh, 96 people dead in that devastating fire. Uh, it sounds like they're blaming power lines on the early side of this. Faulty oh, power lines. Finally, eight days later, they figure that out. Something is up. 
something's up with this fire. I remember the first, the very first report, like, why aren't these, they weren't even calling it a forest fire. They were, there was something very strange about the reporting. And now today, today they say power lines. Right. Yeah. That's weird. Hawaiian Electric is being blamed. They're saying they can't get in there to, to figure out if it was their power lines. Uh, that company's stock is totally, you know, plummeted today, but, um, we're, you know, still trying to figure out exactly what it can, and connecting to the power lines. It's been 20 years since the blackout of 2003 here in New York City. You were telling me off air that you were in Atlanta at the time. I was actually in Atlanta watching it on TV. So you remember it, but you just weren't. I was watching it on TV. Yeah, I was in Atlanta. July, what day is today? August what? 14th. 14th. Uh, was it a big deal? Was anybody here? You weren't here. Uh, Diego. I, I was an intern actually in the city at the time, not, not in broadcasting. And what happened to you? Uh, I can't remember how I, I think I must have gotten home before NJ Transit went offline. And I remember, you know, kind of the stark images of like people trying to get out of New York City. Um, you know, kind of it evoked what had happened a couple of years earlier, obviously. That was 2003. So, um, the images. Nine eleven. Well, just those images of people that were walking up and in, in, in and around. How dare across, you make that comparison to nine eleven? Across the bridge. No, it's not. That wasn't nearly that. Come on. No, no. Just from a visual. I mean, you got to remember. I mean, that was only a couple years after it happened. So you know, it was well, on everybody minds. was worried. I do remember this. Is it terrorism? Is it this? Is it that? What the hell was it anyway? It was actually uh, overgrown trees in Ohio that had like kind of arced and fallen onto. The, the heavy power lines, you know, those really high tension ones. Yeah. And that kind of caused a cascading event, um, that brought it down in Canada and the East Coast. No, I remember, and I was just kind of hassling you there uh, playfully, but you know, I do remember I made the comparison once. I was on TV and I said that the Hurricane Sandy aftermath, and I was looking at a live view of Breezy Point on fire. I mean, the whole damn peninsula seemed to be on fire. And I said, this is the worst thing to befall this city since September 11th. Mm. And, uh, you know, for about, I don't know, an hour, the people were furious. How, you know, how could you make that comparison? But I think it's a, it was a valid comparison. Oh, yeah. I didn't say it was worse than 9-11, but since 9-11, I mean, and gosh, the fire that, yeah, that was, uh, and the emotions, the, the, the feelings that, you know, come up, uh, obviously that's going to connect to some other past instance you've experienced. Did you know that Barack Obama had a half brother named Malik? I did actually. Yeah, he's very active on Twitter. Yeah, he's a bit of a he's all over the place and I DM'd him a couple of times and he wanted money. He wanted oh. money. He's a bit of a he's an operator. Okay. He wants cash and uh he did he tells you all the ways you can pay him and I would not pay him but uh what did he want money for? Like a fundraiser? I wanted thing? to do a pot well, he was going to well what did he want it for? He wanted to spend it. <laughs> No, to, but I mean, like, what was it? Oh, he was going to come on as a guest. I, I wanted an interview. I say, and and you know, pay, pay to play, pay yeah. to talk. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what's going on with the indictment in Georgia? Is that happening today? Uh, there was. A, I, I'm sure you must have seen this, where a court docket was posted to the Fulton County website, and then it was quickly taken down. But it basically said this is a charge, you know, an indictment that's coming down for. Uh, for Trump, and it's you know been two years now that the DA has been investigating him there. So you call this an investigation? This is this is two years, two years. They're looking, they're listening to that phone call for two years. Now they're going to indict him, mm-hmm. right? When the Iowa State Fair is happening, we are with four months from the caucuses. These election meddlers, they are what they accuse others of being. These are the. The anti-democracy warriors, these people are horrendous. Now, I think the Supreme Court, but I'm worried about the Supreme Court. You know, Kavanaugh 
Kavanaugh was scared stiff by that mob on his front lawn. I don't blame him, but I think he's lost his nerve. The only way Trump will get relief in any of this probably is by going directly to the Supreme Court. And I know from Mark Levin there may be a way to do that. But, you know, they made it open season on the justices. You know, you can go protest and yell and scream in front of a justice's house, even though that's against the law. There's actually a provision in the law that says you can't do that. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I am optimistic. At times I get a little bit gloomy and worried at the same time. And this David Weiss charade, you know, you make the very suspect, questionable uh, U.S. attorney into the special counselor, the special investigator. It's weird. It's weird. And Hunter Biden's attorneys are blaming federal prosecutors for that plea deal blowing up. They're blaming federal prosecutors for their plea deal blowing up. Um, they should blame the judge, <laughs> the, the judge, you know, the judge caught them. You know, I would, I, I would, if I were him, I wouldn't antagonize that, that they've been, they've been bending over backwards to accommodate, uh, little Hunter, little Hunter. Why? Oh, by the way, why do they, what do these people owe the Bidens? Um, man, I don't know. I don't know. Thank you, James. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Still uh, hardly any information on the man that the FBI shot and killed about a week ago or so. Craig Robertson in Utah, 75-year-old man. Looks like he was making some pretty outlandish uh, and threatening statements on Facebook, which you're not supposed to do, against directed at a, a federal official. And coming really, really close, if not, you know, really crossing the line, pledging to do violence. And that is against the law. Um, although I wonder sometimes he was saying, like, I'm dreaming of this. And anyway, it's still very, very weird. You can't do that. And even if you say, like, I, I dream what it would be like to do such and such to such and such. And at that such and such is uh, President Biden. And you're talking about violence. That's a problem. And you're going to get a visit from the federal government. Um and that's uh, that's that's okay. I have no problem with that. Um, actually, I encourage that. You know, we we want these people to be rooted out. You know, I wanted the FBI to go visit Lee Harvey Oswald uh, before November twenty second. They never got around to it. How about that? Huh? They never got around to it. The FBI screws up so much. Anyway, they show up, and this seventy five year old man is now dead, and they say he was armed, but they don't say much more than that. They don't say he pointed the gun at anybody. The FBI is like this. This incident is under investigation, and we have no further comment. It's like the Joe Biden School of Communications. No further comment. The federal government just killed an American citizen, and we need to know what they know. You got to share with us something. You know, when the New York City Police Department when they shoot somebody, it's a big freaking deal, and the public has a right to know. And this is just one of like the many, many, many instances. But um, remember when there was a shooting outside the Empire State Building? There was. It was um, know, ten years ago or so, and there was a big, uh, you know, this this maniac came out and started shooting at people, and the cops shot him dead. And Ray Kelly, the police commissioner, within two hours comes out and tells the public what they know, what the department knows about what happened because somebody just died, and that's appropriate. Cut thirty-two. As the two officers approached Johnson, he pulled his 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol from his bag and fired on the officers, who returned fire, killing him. An additional nine individuals 
were either wounded or grazed during the exchange. Johnson had been employed for six years at Hazan Imports, H-A-Z-A-N Imports, as a designer of women's accessories. During a downsizing at the company about a year ago, Johnson was laid off. See, they put out, that's what a professional law enforcement official and department does. You let the public know what's going on. The FBI is not letting us know anything about the uh, the killing of Craig Robertson. And it's very suspicious. I'd like to see the body cam footage. Where's that? Got every police department in the country wearing body cameras. It's been about a week. Do they wear body cameras in the FBI? I wonder. Were they wearing body cameras on January 6th when we had federal agents all over the place? Can we see that footage? Can we see any evidence that the committees came up with regarding January 6th? You know, the January 6th committee, what we had to sit through last summer, the primetime hearings and that bogus report they finally put out. Um, all of the underlying documents and evidence, they just threw it away. They just threw it away? That would seem to be uh, pretty crazy, right? But they did. They don't want to turn over anything to Trump because all that stuff is exculpatory. Big time. Big time, as I proved many times. Oh, is that the music already? I apologize. I apologize. I apologize to Barbara and Sandra. There you are. I didn't. Oh, forgive me. You guys, you always are welcome on this show. I apologize for that. We'll fix it tomorrow. In the meantime, um, Trump could be indicted any moment now. Again, total travesty.